You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to RenewLifeChurch.com. Thank you, Jesus. For those who don't know me, my name is Ed Trout. I'm husband of one wife, 43 years now, and I have three, I have three children and nine grandkids. One on the way, so we'll be having 10. I live in San Antonio for the last 23 years. I was born and raised in Cape Town, South Africa. My mother exiled the Holocaust, being a German Jewess, landed in Africa, and that's where I was born. And I got born again when I was 13. It was a wonderful, most amazing, memorable experience of my life. I thank God for child evangelism and people that take interest in kids <coughs> because someone came to my school when I was 10 and told us about the Lord at a school assembly. And that's where I would have introduced to the Lord Jesus and his love. And it has been the greatest thing of my life. Greatest, 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 the Lord Jesus. No one like him. <coughs> Please don't get too excited. It's overwhelming. All right. <laughs> so. Jesus said these words. In Matthew chapter 13, 50, 52, he said these words. This is the words of the Lord Jesus, who I believe you all follow. He said, therefore, every teacher of the law who has been instructed about the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. And what Jesus was saying is that there's lots of treasure and value in the Old Testament. As you know, we don't discard because we have the New Covenant, we value both. And because of this, I'd love to teach you some valuable things that'll help in our lives today, where we are, I believe, even prophetically, from the book of Judges, chapter 6, and it's about the life of Gideon. I know you've heard about him several times and several things you may have heard at Sunday school. Gideon was a young man who an angel said you're a great warrior and in his own mind he was not that and God used him to deliver them I'm going to tell you the background because I'm limited in time and I do want to prophesy so I'm going to tell you the whole story like before I so don't read all of it what happened was Israel served foreign gods and God finds that extremely offensive not that their morals were low, not that they were fighting amongst themselves, but it was that they would not serve him first and foremost. God does not want you to serve. He wants you to love him with all of your heart, most importantly. And they were serving other gods for quite a while, and they did evil, the Bible says in in Judges 6, and the Lord, it says, handed them over to the Midianites. The Midianites were a tribe from deep south towards the Red Sea, and they were, they, were, they were so many, and these different tribes came from the east, and they ravished the Israelites, completely devoured their lands and their cattle, and just destroyed everything. And it says in that same Judges 6, you read at your own leisure, they were like grasshoppers. There were so many of them, they, could, they were uncountable. And they'd come and just destroy even their donkeys and their cows and their sheep and goat. There was nothing left. And the Israelites would hide in the different caves and try to get away because they were so fearful and so the pressure was so bad. And because in verse 2 says the power of the Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountains, clefts, and caves, and strongholds. And uh, they they sought the Lord. They cried to God. And the the Midianites had so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to the Lord in verse 6 for help. 
When the Israelites cried to God, the Lord responded with a prophet who said this. This is what the Lord says. I brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I snatched you up from the power of Egypt and from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out from you and gave the land. I said to you, I'm the Lord your God. Do not worship other gods of the Amorites in whose land you live, but you have not listened to me. So God was, they called to him, and so he's responding, this is what the problem is. It has to cease. So the angel of the Lord, an angel came and sat down under an oak in Ophrah, which is just north uh, towards between Jerusalem is, where Jerusalem is now and the, red, the Lake of Galilee, and uh, that belonged to Joash, the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So he was hiding away. And he was trying to get some wheat so he could make some bread and have food because they were always being so oppressed. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Now I want you to listen carefully. Because I know you've had stories about Gideon. I'm going to tell you the truth about Gideon tonight, who he really was. And he's, he's actually... He's not worshiping other gods, even though his dad was, and I'll show you in a moment. But Gideon is saying to him, if God is really with us, why is all this stuff happening to us? Now, I know that you have asked that question many times in your life. How can you allow this to happen, Lord? Why didn't you stop me? If I'd left five minutes later, I would have missed that car wreck. Had you just not told me, I would have married someone else. If you just spoke to me, I asked you what you were, why didn't you stop? Jesus said to Peter in Luke 22, he said, Peter, the devil has asked to sift you, but I prayed for you. You did? Yeah, I prayed your faith would not fail. Huh? You prayed my faith? The devil's attacking me, and that's the best you can come up with? My faith wouldn't fail? Because when the devil's after you, he's not after your money, your marriage, your job, your health. When he attacks those things, what he's really after is your faith. He's thinking, what must I do to you to make you think there is no God? There's got to be a place I can do something to you to make you feel God doesn't love you. Well, I must be able to put such pressure on you that you think you're forsaken by God and get angry or curse God, whatever. There's got to be a place. And he said to God about Job, if you take his wife, then he'll curse you. Then he took his wife. If you take his children, then he won't serve you. He kept looking for a place that you turn from God. And that's a, your faith is under constant attack. Now Jesus said, and, and of course Peter answered, but Lord, I'm willing to die for you and go to prison. And Jesus said, actually, actually, before the night's through, you're going to deny me three times. That's a strange thing. How come you letting, telling him he's going to mess up tonight? Why don't you just stop him? Why don't you do something to prevent it or warn him against it? But you, he's like he's not going to have any options. And Peter says, no, uh, no way, 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 three times tonight. And he says, and when you come back, when you come back, I, I, I'm going somewhere. Yeah, because when you go through all this mess up and mistakes and failure, you're going to feel very bad and sorry for yourself. And when you come back, I want you to encourage your brethren. What? So he's already restored before he fell. Only the Lord can do that. So there are things you go through in life. That the devil may even do to you that God will use because Peter was so insecure until that time. He was always trying to compete with John. 
John was, was the one who Jesus loved, he thought. John writes that. Nobody else does, but John does. But he was very confident. He was a young teenager, 19. And Peter was more insecure, always trying to prove, walking on the water, washing Jesus' feet, make, building a tent for, the, for Moses and Elijah. And then he wants, he's got a sword in his hand when the Romans come to arrest Jesus. He's going to prove to Jesus he's, he's the man. But he was just a weak person like you and I. And the Lord was not stressed about his struggle or his failure. And he didn't try and stop it even. And you wonder why, why, why God, God uses all the stuff we go through. We're the sum total of all we go through. Everything we go through has a point and a purpose and a help. Somehow God will use it and make it work together for good according to a purpose. Yes? Now, this is what Gideon's saying. If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If you think if God favors you and blesses you, everything's got to be easy. You've got a parking in front of H-E-B, that's God's favor. Nuh-uh. You can't measure God's favor with convenience, no, because God's word is true. If he says he favors you, he favors you. Don't go by the convenience of your life or the, the difficulties. If you're breathing and, if you're, and you have blood in your veins, you're going to have trouble here. That's what Jesus said. In this world, you will have many troubles. Not some, many. But I tell you this because I overcame the world. Do not fear. That's what he said. So don't stress when you've got problems. Why is stuff always happening to me? All this Oh, come on, stop your whining. You're not the only one. Suck it up. We all go through it. But the Lord's got an answer. Every time you've got a situation, there's another opportunity for God to demonstrate himself. But Sir Gideon said, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders? Wonders? You believe this wonder? Yeah, he's a believer, it seems to me. That our fathers told us about when they said, Do not, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midian. So they're feeling, he's seeing that God is mighty and he's, he's got a faith in his heart. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? What a strange thing. Go in the strength you have. But Lord, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. And his least is not is anything but his youth. He's the youngest in the family, he was a, and that was the saving grace. Why he had strength was he had not succumbed to the idol worship of these other guys. He still hung on to the courage that God was still Lord. He, well, if God's was wise and stuff, he still believes that God can and God should be. That's why God chose him. And he said, how can I say, I'm the weakest, so go in your strength. What strength did he have? He had strength that he still believed God. Now stay with me because he, America is a Christian country. I'm a product of this amazing country's work in the kingdom. A man by the name of John G. Lake, in the turn of the 19th century, came from Azusa Street Revival and came to Southern Africa. And he began to start, uh, preach the gospel and start, did miracles and started a movement called the Apostolic Faith Mission, which influenced so many of us, including myself, and got us saved, got born again in such a place. We are the product. There's so many people over the world that are blessed by this nation. This is a blessed nation. It has gone through havoc. The devil's done all he can to disrupt that. We are under violent attack from the devil constantly. But the church is God's salt and God's light. And the, this 
This man says, I'm weak. I'm, I'm the youngest in my family. I'm not really anybody important. And we may not feel like we're significant in the church and we've got struggles, we have weaknesses, we have things we ought not to be doing, but we have this strength. He says, go in your strength. We have this strength. We have not turned away to idols. We've not turned away from the Lord. We still honor him as the one true God, the only Lord, the only Savior. And here's a place to say amen. What is wrong with you people? We say amen in Texas. It's the truth. We, we believe and we know who he is. And that's why we are responsible to carry it out in every way. I will be with you. There's the thing. What you can do when God is with you. Now, the Midianites were uncountable. There were 120,000 approximately in the valley when he finally went to go fight with them. And he had 32,000. And God says, you've got too many. Too many? They... 120, do you do math, God? 120, 32, yeah, reduce them. So he ends up with 12,000. And he says, you still got too many. Huh? I don't know what kind of God you are, but look at the, how many there are. Well, and they went to the water, uh, water says, now, go let them drink. And, and those that are drink that get down their face in the water, let them go. Only the ones that use their hands to cup with, keep them. And there were only 300 people that didn't, Go down to the, so this is the 300 now. He's going to go fight 120,000 people. Seriously, God? But he said, I am with you. If you have God with you, you've got the majority. If you have God with you on your side, no matter how overwhelming it looks, it's so odd. And this, he's so young and struggling. He's, that's why God chose him and said, go in the strength, because he had not been corrupted. He had not gone. And Gideon said, Lord, if I found favor in your sights, give me a sign. When you're young and struggling and your faith's not strong, you need a sign. If I page through my Bible and I get a scripture, I'll know it's you. Or I'm, you'll put out a fleece or you look for a sign because you're young. You're not, it's not mature Christians that do that. And he was struggling too. If, if I'm really found favor, give me a sign that you're really talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. The Lord said, I'll wait until you return. Gideon went and he prepared a young goat and from an, and from an ephah flower he made bread with yeast, put in the meat in the basket and broth in the pot and he brought it out and offered all this food to this man under the oak. The angel of God said to him, take the meat and the bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth on top of it. And Gideon did it. Oh, okay. Then with the tip of the staff that was in his hand, the angel the angel touched the meat and the unleavened bread, and fire flared up from the rock, consuming the meat and the bread. Woo! Gideon thought. And he turned to the angel, and the angel disappeared. He asked for a sign. Demonstration. When you're young and you haven't lost your confidence and faith in God, this will do something for you. Right? When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Ah, oh, sovereign Lord, I've seen the angel of the Lord God face to face. Now, do you know, you can't see face to face God, you will die. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid, you're not going to die. So Gideon built an altar, and, and he called it the, uh, the Lord's altar. The Lord said, Give me peace at this place in Ophrah. That same night, the Lord said to him, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one seven years old, tear down your father's altar. Gideon's father had an altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it, which is also serving other gods. That's why he had strength, because his father 
It's difficult to serve God and grow up under people that don't want to serve the Lord, or that are corrupted, or that have gotten into cultish religious ways or wrong thinking and old. Religion is your worst enemy. The devil is defeated at the cross. The world have no power. It's really the religious Christians that are the hardest thing to overcome because they have a certain level of faith and they, are, they pursue religion like an altar, like an other god. That's what happened with Aaron. What was Aaron thinking? A big mountain with a huge glory cloud on top of it, Moses going up that mountain, and you build a golden calf with the earrings of the people what did you think that golden calf's going to do for you? Did you honestly think that was competitive to God? Why would you do that when there's God's glory right in front of you? You could have had it. You said, no, thank you. Why do people do that? Simple. It's much easier to control religion. If I can just read so many scriptures a day and praise that many hours, I'll know I'm a good Christian. If I can just measure how good a Christian I can be. When in fact, salvation is completely by faith. By faith are you saved. You're righteous by faith. You have to, your whole relationship is based on faith. And that's what the, what's so hard for your mind. And so we try to keep boxing it in and forming some next religion. That's what happened to the Galatians. Imagine a, a people that have never been Jews, never had any kind of religion. And Paul comes in, preaches to the Galatia, and they get the gospel. And he writes in Galatians 3, you foolish, you crazy Galatians. Who bewitched you? You started out in the grace and you end up in the law. You didn't have the law to start with. You got the message of grace, but you went back to the law. Why would you do that? Because the devil wants you to get into a whole idol worship, get away from God. And that's your biggest enemy. Even as a Christian, go back to the Word. Maintain your relationship with the Lord. Don't try and find some religious order that you can measure, because it's by faith. God who never changes. That's why he wants you to love and adore him, because he's so very good. There is no God like him. Are you hearing me? Okay, so now, listen to it. And, and so Gideon, in verse 27, took ten of his servants. So they weren't the poorest family and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than the daytime. So he kind of did it because he's, he's a young, nervous kid. But at least he had pureness in his heart. So God's going to use you if you're just willing, and if you struggle and don't feel like you're a super, super Christian, God's still going to do something for you and through you if you'll just let him. Go in the strength that you have. You have this strength. You know the Lord. You know who he is, and you trust in him. However much you may trust, you trust in him. You've got more than them outside in the world. Are you hearing me? Stay with me now. And so the men in the morning, they come and they, wanna, they, wanna, they find out who did it and they want to kill him. And, he, and then his father, who is actually compromised because he serves Baal or has his idols, begins to defend his son. And the truth is that Gideon was used of God with all his struggles. He was so unsure of himself, kept looking for a sign. He had to have a fleece that had to be wet and then everything dry. And then another night, he exactly, kept looking for signs to be sure because he was so nervous. And oddly enough, it's amazing how God will use different things in our life. He says, okay, if you're really nervous, go disguised into the camp of the Midianites. And you will listen to two men talking. They had a dream. I mean, how odd is that the Lord has so, got so many cool ideas. He goes there and he hears this guy talking. I had such a dream last night that this barley loaf went, came rolling, tumbling down the mountain and hit this, destroyed the tent. It's surely Gideon and all the Israelites are going to come and destroy us. 
And when he hears them nervous of him, he goes, yes. <laughs> right? And he, so he goes back and he tells his 300 people, go mighty army, woo, and mighty rangers, let's get together. He was so confident because of the, their dream. Even these enemy got dreams and made them nervous. And of course, if you don't know the story, they surrounded that an evening, they surrounded the encampment, and they had torches in one hand, and they blow, blew their uh, horns or shafars in the other hand, and had 300 people around in a circle made them so fearful they killed each other. It was quite a fiasco. But when God's with you, no matter how big the enemy looks, how bad things look, God is your strength. If you think you're weak and you keep telling yourself you're weak, God says, go in your strength. Go in your strength. You've got strength. That's why I'm here. And the whole synopsis of events was that they left God, they served idols, and God handed them over to the Midianites, to the enemies. Then they repented and said, help us, God. And God sent a prophet, and he said, this is the word, okay? You've got to change yourselves from the serving these idols. And he goes and gets, picks a young boy. Look for someone that hadn't been corrupted, that still had a heart and a confidence for the living God. We're looking for people today that are serious about God. Yeah, you may have made a few mistakes and messed up. Yeah, you may have made a mistake, even as a Christian. But you keep getting up. Even a righteous man falls down seven times, but gets up. The devil is such an enemy, he'll keep on breaking you down and say, you have no business getting up. You're not a good Christian. And he'll keep telling you that unless you will equip yourself with the right knowledge. Jesus overcame the enemy because he used the scripture. He knew the word. And if you don't know the word, you've got no power. If you're not part of a local church, you have no protection. There's safety in the church that Jesus himself established. When Peter said, you're the son of God, he said, I will build my church. He didn't use the word church. He didn't speak Greek. The written Testament was written in Greek, which is ecclesia. He used the word which synagogue. I'm going to build my people, my church, my home, my my group and you are that you are that group and when we form here we are a unit we're a spiritual family and if you miss these services you are missing out on the protection and it may just be one that one Sunday you didn't come that God had something very profound waiting for you the devil will make an excuse to keep you up because you know he doesn't want you to get fed and get strong you may think the church may be boring out nothing really happened but it's like eating a meal you have Thanksgiving all the trimmings then you have other times you just get a, a sandwich and soup and but they both nourish you if you stop getting nourishment, you will begin to get sick spiritually. You may not notice it today, but you get weaker and weaker until the enemy consumes you. Don't miss the gathering of the saints. Be plugged in and committed and watch God move. If you're looking for a perfect church, while you're here, it's less perfect. <laughs> and it's true. And let me tell you the truth. That the Lord loves a little fight and arguing difference in the church. He loves a little upset. 1 Corinthians eleven nineteen says there must be fighting and factions amongst you. That they that are approved of God can be seen. So when God sees two people conflicting, okay, let's see. Wait, angels, wait. Let's see what's going on. Let's see who's got my heart. Because when you've got God's heart, you'd rather be reconciled than right. When you watch two people argue, watch them. They don't care what the result is as long as that they can be right. So if you want to stop a fight with your husband or wife, say, you're right, you're right, my bad, you're right. And that, what, what, what? There's no more fight. They were getting ready for the next shot. And there's no more fight because you took ownership. Even if you, and let me tell you a little secret. A lot of you won't get this, but I'm going to put it up for those that are mature. 
The more godly you become, the more you gravitate to taking guilt that's not even yours. That's the nature of Christ. He took guilt that wasn't his. And the more you do it, the more you generate love, harmony, peace, unity. You generate all that by gravitating towards the nature of God. Yeah. Bring it. Woo. I just touched on some of this teaching. You can get all our teachings on our website, propheticlife.com. And we have an app. You can download our app, PLM or Ed Trout. Just download our app. It's all free. And I do daily devotionals too. You can get that every day. I also, that's what I do, what God called me to is train people to do what I do, prophesy and prophetically in a healthy, biblical, godly way, not weird and wonderful, <laughs> not spooky and strange, not exclusive. Some of these prophets that are public, I hear them and I don't know, and I, after a half an hour, I ask my wife, what did he actually say? Because he talks so much weird language, I don't even know what that is. Why can't they just tell you? This is what the Lord says. Why must it be so complicated? And does it mean this? Does it mean uh, it's too much strange language? People don't talk. God doesn't talk like that. And he certainly doesn't speak King James. <laughs> I, God never got a fifth. Thou knoweth. It's not the Lord at all. You are not led by prophecy. Prophecy is a strengthening and encouragement, a helper. You must always be dependent upon the Lord. The most happiest place on earth is being completely abandoned to Him. He's, there's no one like Him. He loves you more than I could ever tell you. There's the one person you can trust is Him. Don't trust anyone. Don't trust your husband. Don't trust your wife. Don't trust anyone. Trust the Lord. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to RenewLifeChurch.com.